Hello and welcome to Capital Ideas. This is where we sit down with members of the Washington State House of Representatives to give listeners an inside look at important aspects of how their citizen legislature works and who and what it's working for. We're speaking today with State Representative Mike Sells. Mike represents Washington's 38th legislative district, a fast-growing Snohomish County district that includes Everett, Marysville, and Tulalip. Mike is vice chair of the House Higher Education Committee, and he's also a member of the Transportation and General Government Appropriations Committees. We spoke recently in his Everett office. Welcome, Representative Mike Sells. It's a real honor to talk to you. I appreciate you taking a little bit of time out of your schedule to talk with us today. Thank you very much. I've been asking other legislators to describe their 2010 session, and the words I've been hearing are not real positive. Tough session, it was a difficult session, it was challenging, and those are the positive comments. What's your take on this session that just concluded? Well, you can't talk about 2010 without talking about 2009. We came into that session and it looked like about $9 billion down. And if it hadn't been for federal stimulus money, $4.5 billion is what we ended up being down. And we had to figure out what to do, and we ended up doing it with cuts. So by the time we came into the 2010 session, down another $2.8 billion in projected revenue, we knew that there's going to have to be some balance. And that's why we ended up doing a few revenue enhancement things, some smaller things to raise $800 million. And at the same time, we continued with some more tough, tough cuts and decisions that we had to make. I understand the ratio was about a four to one in terms of cuts versus revenue. So that's, you certainly didn't balance this with revenue. Yeah, that's correct. It was about four to one. The cuts were spread pretty much throughout the budget. Could you talk a little bit about how you're seeing impacts of some of those budget cuts here in the 38th district? Well, at this point, it's mostly around service delivery on particular issues, particularly in the schools. If you talk to school teachers from the 2009 budget cuts that we did already, things just aren't happening. The classrooms are getting more crowded all the time. They don't have the time to work with the kids. We're seeing less being delivered in uh, programs at the university level and the college level. So it's, uh, it's, it's a problem, you know, and we haven't lived up really to our constitutional duty to fully fund or amply fund basic education. That's probably where we see it the most. Uh, over time, you're going to see it more in some of the social and health services. The news out of the session wasn't completely bad. I want to make that point, and, I, and that's something that has been reinforced to me over and over again. There were some bright spots, and I know that uh, you were involved in some, particularly some job legislation. Do you want to talk a little bit about how basically you've been trying to uh, fight this economic depression by helping people get decent jobs? If we're ever going to get out of the depression, or the recession, if you want to call it that, a great recession, it's going to be because we can help create jobs and put people back to work in family wage jobs so that they're able to support the kinds of needs and services that the uh, local and uh, state governments provide. With the scarce resources we have, I was able to get a Bachelor of Science degree program in nursing at the University Center of North Puget Sound, which is administered by Everett Community College, which will begin to deliver a degree uh, to about 25, 30 people who, again, will be the lead for training other nurses 
in healthcare, and healthcare is an area where we have the greatest workforce need. That's one, and those are good paying jobs. The second thing is the start of the Washington Aerospace Training and Research Center. This was a budget amendment that I was able to sponsor on the House floor. We were able to get it through both the House and the Senate budget before we were through. That will provide training across the board in technology and in higher level management skills all across the board in aerospace. It affects not only the Boeing company, but about 600 companies across the state of Washington. And they'll begin classes with about their first cohort, I think, of 25 sometime this summer. And it's called the Washington Aerospace Training and Research Center. Uh, it'll be one of two. There'll be another one, I believe, in Spokane before we're through. And it's a matter of using scarce resources to retrain the needs that we're going to have in aerospace, uh, in engineering, in management, in technology. The third thing is to help save jobs up here. We have a small company called Seacast that makes molds for a number of things. They made the mold for the Olympic torch. They make molds for airplanes. They were essentially getting into a sort of a double taxation system, being taxed twice on some of the similar processes. And they were at the point, they're saying, we're going to have to take our 250 jobs out of state. We managed to get an exemption passed through to cut one of those taxes out. And as a result, we're going to save those 250 jobs in Marysville. And finally, we passed the jobs bill, the green jobs bill. Representative Dunchy was the lead on it, and I was proud to speak on the House floor which will look to retrofit schools around energy issues, save money in that way, and at the same time provide 38,000 jobs around the state. One of the things about creating jobs that a lot of time kind of goes under the radar is that each time a person is trained to perform a particular job or each time a person is hired for a particular job, it spreads out into the economy. Can you talk a little bit about the ripple effect of some of these? That's correct. I mean, uh, the assumption on a lot of jobs, I think some of the jo- Boeing jobs I've seen, uh, two to one in terms of jobs, four to one even. I, I'm not sure the economists use different kinds of figures so that when you create one, you end up creating more jobs for other people out there that service those other people or provide the kinds of things that they need. So it should have a ripple effect. And what we did this last session is with what scarce resources we could put into it, we've, we've done that. We've ha- tried to have an impact and effect on it. Key is always going to be jobs and then retraining and education. Let me turn for a minute to what's in front of us. How are you looking at the 2011 session? I think they're telling us, the economists, that we may be into another situation where we have more uh, revenue shortfalls and we're going to have to deal with it. It's going to be another tough session to figure that out. My approach is how do we find the balance there to try to make sure we're looking for the revenue uh, because we've cut to the bone at this point and beyond, especially when you've got staff members and state employees taking 15 to 30 furlough days, depending on the number, off already, how far can you go before you really shut down those actual services? To make it clear, those furlough days are really unpaid leave. When you look at uh, jobs, you look at things in a number of different ways. And one of the issues is uh, trying to get people closer to where they work. And we've uh, passed legislation this last year, I wasn't the lead on it, Representative Orwell was, that will create that kind of density and put people closer to work. Uh, It's more affordable housing in those work areas for about 5,000 people. And again, this brings those people's spending into a particular community where previously they haven't been. Well, it does. It'll keep spending in the community at the same time. Less use of the roads 
and creating greenhouse gas problems, those kinds of things. When you're closer to work, you can get there much more easily. It'll uh, help us develop transit systems. It's just an idea whose time is long past, actually, but uh, we're trying to move that agenda a little. The session's been over for a couple of months now, and you've been back in your home district talking to people, listening to people. What are you hearing, and what are the kinds of, of issues that people are asking you to deal with in the 2011-2012 biennium? Well, the whole issue of workforce training never goes away here. If you talk to some people, they want to make sure we can expand baccalaureate degree programs, and that's costly. So it's something that, uh, as a vice chair of higher ed, that I'm dedicated to, and it's something that we need to work on in this state. Other than that, there are concerns around taxes for the business folks uh, and that impact on their business and whether or not they can afford to continue. So we have to take a look at is there a way to restructure the system so small businesses can get some kind of relief. We don't want to drive people out of business with the taxing system, but while at the same time we have needed revenues. That's going to be a real tricky kind of thing to deal with, and hopefully we can find the right balance there. I do have some preferences around what that balance would look like, but I want to talk with people and see if we can't get more people with a little more consensus and agreement on it. You mentioned basic education being the paramount duty of the legislature. What kind of improvements do you foresee coming in the next couple of years? We passed last legislation some reform, especially reform around funding, that I think over time will have an impact and improve the funding situation in the schools. At the same time, I am concerned that we get a little wrapped around the axle on reform agendas when we could do some very pragmatic kinds of things to keep kids in schools. And I'm proud to say that the school district I worked for for 30 years seems to have come up with that. Uh, They hired about seven people over the last seven years to track at-risk kids, and as a result have dropped the dropout rate over seven years by 30%. Now that's incredible, and it's a very simple thing. It's just people caring and people talking to kids and keeping them on track. That's the kind of thing I think we need to concentrate on as much as anything else in terms of reforms and changes is having enough people and the right kind of people to encourage kids to stay in school. The success rate is there, and it's something I think that's going to resonate across the state at some point. And we can talk about testing systems. You can talk about more accountability for educators. That hasn't driven the dropout rate down. This has. For me, it's jobs and education. And if we're going to turn the economy around locally and every which way, it will be around stimulating job creation, and that's done through education and training. So I'll be looking to next session, promoting that kind of thing and pushing in that direction. I think that's a great place to stop. I appreciate you taking time out to be on Capital Ideas. Thank you very much. That's today's program. Subscribe to this podcast now and spend a few minutes a week with Capital Ideas. After all, this is your state government, and the more you know about how it works, the better it can work for you. I'm Dan Frizzell for the Washington State House Democrats.